on Petuaste Matakayape, Chante Suta Francis Betlian Imachiapi, Maoglala Lakota Ihuntunuan Nakota, Michante Washtee Napechuziape. Good day, my relatives. I am Chante Suta Francis Betlian. I am Oglala Lakota Ihuntunuan Nakota. I extend to you a warm handshake from my good heart. I welcome you, my relatives, to the Moccasin Telegraph podcast. Hello, my relatives, and welcome to this episode of the Moccasin Telegraph podcast. In this episode, we're going to do a general overview of the podcast, some of the the details about the issues that we're going to discuss uh, and some of the topics that we're going to explore and especially around uh, our land-based culture. My land-based culture in particular is the point of view that will be coming from and the knowledge that is brought forward will be from my land-based culture because that's what I know. And this podcast is based in storytelling, which we understand as truth-telling. When we're telling our stories and passing on those stories, it comes from an understanding of telling the truth, not opinions and just hearsay or something I heard from somebody else. It's based in our our language of our land-based cultures, both the spiritual language and the land-based cultural language and it also comes from the knowledge that we carried forth when we came when we all came here to Unchi Maka or Grandmother Earth and so when we talk about that and talk about that truth telling we want to bring in the stories that are happening now but also the past history and what happened to us what happened through colonization and also bring about possible solutions, solutions that I'm part of working with others and bring in other knowledge keepers that can talk about their experiences, the truth that they know through storytelling, through what they've been practicing and what they learned how to practice. And that includes elders, young ones, indigenous, non-indigenous relatives. All of us in this podcast are involved in trying to lay out a change that can not just help us as human relatives, as human beings, but as we put it, all of Matakwayoyasin, all of our relatives, non-human and human alike. So I'll get to those shortly and some of the topics, like I said, in the discussion. One of the most important issues that I feel and talking to other relatives, again, I'm, I'm probably going to stop using the terms indigenous and non-indigenous, except when I have to point it out specifically. So when I say relatives, that means all of us. When I say Yasin, that means all relatives, human and non-human. So 
what I want to do with others is talk about something that's vitally important to us today as land-based cultures, and that is re-indigenizing and what that means. So I will tell you what it means to me and give you a, a, a sense of where we're going. So growing up, and I am Oglala Lakota, Ihuntunwan Lakota, I grew up on and off reservation, uh, but I grew up all of my life on ancestral lands of my people. So during my growing up, during my knowledge, uh, my education in our land-based cultures, it wasn't as fully expressed because of the time period. And even before that, the generations before me, my father, my grandfather, my grandmothers, uh, on and on, aunties, uncles, cousins, and then way back to great, 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 great grandmothers and, and, and ancestral uh, relatives that we've all been through this disruption for the past 300, 400 years and some on what we call Turtle Island, uh, but what is referred to as North America, most all land-based cultures have gone through this, that process of colonization, of assimil forced assimilation into values of another culture forced upon us. And part of that was also uh, the policy set up by those colonizers, which was you either assimilate or you get exterminated. And that's what we've been dealing with. Even through the time period right now, we're still dealing with that. But coming back to what I was saying is I grew up in that. I grew up in that environment. So I didn't fully get to, to, to practice with my relatives, our land-based culture freely and that's something that we'll talk about more extensively in in upcoming podcasts and episodes of those of this podcast is that you know the things that happened the history of those things so we're bringing forth our values as we're learning them as we know those stories we're telling them to each other we're we're recording them we're getting them so that we can pass them on to those coming forward, the, the new generations, the younger generations, and teaching them what we know. And that's re-indigenizing. That's bringing forth what we already know into right now. And how does that look? How are we going to do that? And the Moccasin Telegraph podcast is part of that. It's not the only solution, and I, I'm not here talking about that that my opinion and or my knowledge or my truth telling is the only one the only way because unfortunately through the process of colonization we've been divided we've been separated from each other we're all over the place and we aren't in our communities fully you know, when we talk about my Lakota community, it's scattered 
not just on reservations, but everywhere. Our people are everywhere throughout really the world, but more specifically in what we call Turtle Island, we're not together as we once were. And that's part of re-indigenizing, coming together fully as the Ocheti Shakoin, the seven council fires of the Dakota, Lakota, and Nakota nations. And that all of our members, all of our people, all of our citizens come together and start addressing the issues, start learning our history fully, start bringing together those pieces of stories that I'm missing and others are missing and helping each other tell those stories and fully engaging in our practice of our land-based culture and our spiritual practice of who we are as Lakota people and are part of the, the, the greater society of the Ocheti Shakoin. So I will bring my experiences, my knowledge, and my truth-telling the way I was told, the stories I was told. And through experience in living this life through a time period of where we couldn't practice in public without without fear of being persecuted, jailed, or even killed. I'm not saying that's not going on yet. It is. But during that time period, we didn't have a law in place. There wasn't a law in place to protect us, at least somewhat protect us. So we'll talk about those things. And I know... There are difficult issues and topics that we're going to bring, be bringing up. And at the same time, we're going to be talking about our culture and the history of our culture and the practices that uh, others are doing, including myself, uh, members of the Ochiri Shakoin, the, the, our citizenship, that what we're doing uh, on our own land base and bringing those knowledge keepers into this conversation and we're talking about that and again part of re-indigenizing how we get to the core of who we are and develop those solutions because I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat anything and I'm not going to romanticize about our culture we know where we're at we know what happened but we all need to know that and on the other side of this, and, and I'm not talking in terms of a division, but on, on the flip side of this is colonization and those that are participating fully in it yet and those that are trying to do something better. And so the teaching of our culture on this podcast, the history of our culture and what we can do going forward and creating those solutions to come together in a healthy way and learn how to heal together and learn how to heal the land together is part of teaching our relatives that have lost their cultures and you know for lack of a better term our non-indigenous relatives which means all of you that aren't part of land-based cultures that existed on Turtle Island or North America. And I'm only specifically talking about my culture 
because that's, like I said before, that's all I know. And, and I can't talk about other land-based cultures on Turtle Island, like the Navajo, the, the Cherokee, uh, uh, Anishinaabe, whomever else. That's that's their cultures. They'll talk about their cultures. I'm talking about and being part of talking about is what I know. So it's important to tell our history, to share our history with our young ones, with our elders, with the adults, because we've lost a, a huge piece of that because of colonization. And in talking about colonization, we are going to bring up such issues of great importance because in order for all of us to learn about this and create some to start at least to create some form of reparations we all need to understand what happened and that begins over 500 years ago at least for us as part of turtle island the land-based cultures here the the values the practices of manifest destiny are part of a, a longer history of conquering and forced assimilation on other cultures on what land is called Europe, Asia, Africa, and others before it came here. So when I talk about my non-indigenous relatives, I understand you all have lost that land-based culture. You all have lost most all, I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I will come back and say most all of you have lost that identity, that understanding, and how to live through that culture, how to live and practice those amazing values from that land-based culture. And that's why it's important for me and others to talk about ours to at least you can start living those values that we carry, that we still understand, and that we're coming back into fully through re-indigenizing our cultures. So also in the history of colonization, we're going to talk about the treaties, the broken treaties, and actually even before that, the land theft from the French, the, the Dutch, the English, or what is called Great Britain at the time, uh, France, Spain, Portugal, and talk about those things that led up to these land acquisitions and all the things that happened around them and to the point where we are right now. Um, so those things are important. And also through colonization and the history of colonization, there's been propaganda and brainwashing and those effects upon all of us have created a situation of division of race of inequalities and all of those things so again bringing up these issues but also talking about the possible solutions which are wrapped around our land-based culture and that we have knowledge and that it's important to share that knowledge in creating those solutions and one of the the most uh, difficult, I think, thing we're dealing with right now in our communities 
is the traumas. When I brought up my relatives, my father, who was in boarding school, like many others, the trauma that he, that was inflicted upon him in those boarding schools was devastating. I saw that. I experienced that. And then, unfortunately, there was no resources at the time for him to deal with that. And even if there was, he might have not been able to have access to them or go through them. You know, I, I always hope, had hoped that, you know, when I was getting the resources that I could help him, but he died young. And I know he carried this trauma to his death and it affected him. And it also affected me and my siblings. And I've been dealing with that all of, all of my life, really, uh, in, a, in a different way in my adult life than I was as a child and an ad, as an adolescent, but I was still dealing with it. So the traumas created by colonization, we will discuss. And like I said, I'm going to bring in a lot of the knowledge I have, bring in others that have more knowledge about how to to help with this and, and bring about solutions and, and um, really focusing on the healing aspect of what colonization has done is is something that I also have experience with. So I, I will give you some of the background of what I have in those episodes that are specifically talking about that. And that's what we'll do in this podcast as well. As I'm talking through these issues, we're going to have specific and, and give them their, their own specific episode so that we have the time to talk about these things. Not like, because here's, here's one of the things that for me anyway, has been made most difficult is that uh, whatever the amount of people in our communities and in the broader and general world community, I would say it that way, we don't treat mental illness with the same regard as we do physical illness. And I would even throw in spiritual unhealthiness in that same vein that those two the spiritual and the emotional or, or mental unhealthiness isn't taken seriously and that's something I have dealt with and that's something that we all have dealt with as land-based cultures that have been forced into assimilation um, especially what we're dealing with right now with the basically the the just pushing us away or not even recognizing what happened i mean we're we're dealing with one of the largest genocides if not the largest genocide of any population on unchi macaw and that's something that we'll we'll bring up and start teaching about because it's a valuable tool 
to be recognized. It's a valuable tool to have somebody understand your pain and what you're going through. So again, with those that have been experiencing this, including myself, we need to talk about this. One thing I want to say, which is important, and there's other things, but like I said, we'll get to them when we talk about this on the particular episode, is that traumas don't go away through time. Time does not take away the pain. Because a lot of these traumas that we developed and have been developing in our communities have have led to um, unfortunately unspeakable uh, behavior in our communities. They need to be treated with the help of the, the Western medicines because we we weren't understanding of these traumas and that's something that's part of this too is is telling the history of that so that for me I could learn about why these things happened why I'm why I was reacting in in different ways to different things so that's colonization that's a topic that we will take on and talk about and talk about the history of it and and do that so that we all understand when that topic comes up what we can do and especially through the teaching the main reason why i created the moccasin telegraph podcast was to teach our incredible culture that still exists even after colonization practices and through them and we will continue to practice them and engage with each other and engage with our non-indigenous relatives to create the environment that my relatives 500 years ago or more practice fully and freely and to get that feeling back to get that understanding back and to get that uh, ability back is part of a huge part of why this podcast exists so we'll talk about the Lakota creation story and bring in others to talk about their own creation story the Dakota, the Nakota and, and possibly others because that's important because those stories that creation story my Lakota creation story that all Lakota share is important to understand because at, at the core of it it, it, it gives us our values. It gives us the ceremonies. It, it gives us the practices while we're here. We're not disconnected from our home. We're here to, to help take care of Unchi Maka, but enjoy and, and build upon our practices. So we'll talk about that because 
part of those practices and, and especially the spiritual practices include our ceremonies, our seven sacred ceremonies. And unfortunately, and this is part of understanding what has happened is that those, those practices, those, those things have been disrupted. But we'll talk about how we can bring them back, how we can bring them back fully and have a Sundance, a sun, one Sundance for all of the Ocheri Shikoin. Those things are going to be amazing because as we step forward in re-indigenizing, all of these things will come. All of these practices will come again fully and will heal and, and, and focus our attention on healing each other, looking at each other as relatives, not as baggage, not as you other, not as enemies, but with love and compassion. And that's part of learning our creation story. That's a huge piece of learning our creation story. And so I have parts of what I know, but I know there's others that have more knowledge than I do, and they will be part of telling this story and piecing that together. And the, the idea of having a, an Ocheti Shikoin repository so that we can gather that information from all over the place because we know our artifacts, our artwork, the quill work, uh, the porcupine quill work, um, the blankets that were created, the pottery, the, the tools, the storage bags, the teepees, all of those things are all over the world. They're, they're in collections, they're in museums, all of that. Bringing those together and that's part of telling our story, telling who we are and how we not only survived, thrived, before colonization so we can teach again through whatever means we can about who we are and how we are still here after tens of thousands of years and we'll discuss our matriarchal land-based culture and what that means the social paradigm that was created through that value through that matriarchal um, directed process or directed culture and how there was economic balance and our political or politics I should say was based on consensus decision making that's important to understand especially in these times where you don't have consensus and we'll talk about those things so encouraging those practices and leading to transparency and really uh, truth telling and what Matakawe Oyasin means to me and means to others and part of that is Akita Maniyo which literally means observing as you go as you walk through this life understanding 
who you're around, who are your relatives, how are you affecting them? Because that also leads into our seven generation philosophy that we hold in our culture, that value of what I do right now is going to affect seven generations from now. And then our understanding of generation, a generation to us is anywhere from 70, 65, 70 years until about 100 years where four to five generations are on this land at the same time. So gen seven generations is, you know, four, five, six hundred years from now that my relatives, what I do right now is going to affect seven generations from now. A huge part of our land-based culture as we came here is developing the language as we lived here, as we evolved with the plant relatives, the water, the air, our our relatives that are called animals that we we call four leg and, and two legged and the winged ones and those that live in the, the water. I mean developing that language and according to it based on uh, matriarchal society is important. How I look at you as my relative, how I address you. I'm not going to call you out of your name. I'm not going to belittle you or dehumanize you, not according to our language. And that's something we need to understand. And again, that's, that's something we'll talk about with those that have more knowledge about the language and are fluent speakers in the language and are teaching the language because that's important. I, I hit on a little bit about our governance system, um, about consensus and how we did that, that the community was involved in the decision-making and that those elders of our communities made sure and guided those decisions in our communities so we didn't leave anybody behind, that nobody went, went without anything. And what's interesting, bringing language back into that, is that we didn't have a word for thank you or please. We didn't humiliate each other by begging for something. Everybody got what they needed. It didn't matter. We didn't have judgment about if they're good enough or aren't they working hard enough or things like that. We're going to talk about that because this is part of our culture. This is part of the Lakota culture that is amazing. And like I said, we thrived through this culture, in this culture, because it's part of our spirit. It's part of what we brought. And so talking about this and teaching about this will give others an understanding of who we really are, not from the books that you've read from those that aren't part of our culture. We'll talk about the roles in our community, what it's, what it's like to be a, a woman, what it's like to be a man, what it's like and what the term winkta means in our community and that we didn't differentiate people 
based on anything else except their spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me, because that plays into also how we raised our children, how we, we actually guided them through an understanding of who they were, what their spirit is, who their spirit is, and learning that as caretakers of those spirits and allowing them and supporting them to exist within that spirit and not changing them. This is what you need to do or this is how you need to live. They already have that. We supported that as long as it didn't disrupt our communities, which meant we had our problems, but we addressed them and we addressed them in an, in an understanding of not penalizing them, not not putting them in a, a prison type situation, but disciplining, correcting them, taking them aside and the elders would talk to them and have them understand this is what you need to do to correct what you did instead of chastising them throughout the rest of their life. Correct them and as they learn, they understand that role. The, our roles in our community who went out to gather the food who went out to hunt and that was learned as young ones as little ones it didn't matter matter the gender everybody learned how to be self-sufficient how to be sovereign how to do things on your own but also within community so that leads us to conversations about sovereignty, about food sovereignty, water sovereignty, how to rejuvenate the soil and have it healthy and full of nutrition so that it can help those plants that we use for food to thrive and that other non-relatives use and can thrive. And how much we are part of cleaning the air at the same time we're doing all of this because our land management practices were there we we did them we understood what it meant to be a caretaker on this land and we evolved with the land we evolved with the plants our our biology was so connected to everything around us that as you practice this this culture, this being Lakota, you understood as much as you can that there's not much difference between all of us. There's very little difference between all of us. And I'm not just talking about human beings, I'm talking about all of our relatives. We understood the types of water and what to use the the mineral springs and the clear running streams that we gathered water from all of those things were medicine and different types of medicine just as the soil was so we were nomadic people we we went to different places throughout the year because we understood that it's important not to stay in one area and consume everything around us because we would be depleting our food sources and the food sources of, again, non-human non non relatives. 
because that was also our food source. The fish, the mammals, the birds, and then the plants, the fungi, the lichen, all of those things, uh, the inner bark, the leaves, all of those things mattered to us and our survival. But it also came through our culture as an understanding of why that's important, not only as food sources, but as respecting them as spirits, as relatives, and treating them in that way. So our shelter and our clothing was set up in that same way so that we, our homes were portable because it made sense to create it in that way so that we could move to those locations, those different locations. And that was one of, I feel, the most incredible things um, about our culture is that we had the technology to exist in a temperate climate, that we do have distinct seasons from spring, summer, fall through winter, and that we had to have clothing and shelter that protected us against natural, those natural environments, that ever-changing weather. And we knew how to do that. We understood how to do that. And our, our shelter was very efficient. And we didn't consume that much. So we'll talk about those things. We'll, br- we'll bring in the history of those things and the practices of those things and what we're doing now to re-indigenize our culture and bring those uh, those practices of healing the soil and healing the water and taking care of the water and taking care of the food and what it means to hold that seed in your hand and put it in the soil and hold that tomato or whatever it is that is produced from taking care of that environment and putting it into our bodies and what that means. Not just, oh, it's food, it fills me up. But what that interaction means. Because we've de- developed with our, our, our relatives this synergistic uh, relationship that we see going on all the time. And what, for me, is the sadness that sets in for myself and looking around that we can get to the best that we can in practicing those things, but I know we're missing huge chunks of who was here before. We've lost 90% of our environments. We'll talk about that and why that's important that we bring those environments back as best as we can. But like what I'm saying is we don't, we may never have that feeling again that our relatives had seeing forests all around you coming up to clear streams with minerals in them that you can drink the water and maybe a handful of berries and maybe that's it for the day because of the nutrition and and all of those things. And what's cool about this as well is 
that when you look at indigenous land-based cultures on Turtle Island, North America, is that we had a very small carbon footprint. Actually, it's hard to really come up with any waste that create we created beyond our own human waste because our shelters, our clothing, our tools were all made out of natural sources, not human-made sources or resources. And on top of that, we didn't overconsume. We only took what we needed. And that's, that's a, a huge difference in how we're living today. And I'm including our communities in this because we are all over-consuming. Um, I, I, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about where that comes from and how we can change that and live according to really what's available. And you know, people talk about consuming locally. Yes, that's a beginning. That's, that's a good point. How do we get there, though? Because we're not there. We're, we're talking about it. Yeah, all of us throughout this world, is t or we're talking about it, but we're not there yet. So that's a discussion we'll have and come up with some solutions and bring in others that may have solutions as well and start practicing those. So with this all, I mean, this, this is the understanding of knowing your land-based culture and what values it brings. And those values, bringing those to the forefront. And that's what I've been doing in re-indigenizing my own life with my family. And there's a lot to get through. It's I'm not going to say it's easy because we're all dealing with different things in our lives that have affected us. And for me, a huge part of that is trying to uh, work my way through life on an everyday basis. How do I go through this life without overconsuming? How do I go through this life and getting the healing I need? And at the same time, having shelter, having clothes, having food. Because the unfortunate thing about colonization is that it's changed our way of life as a land-based culture so dramatically that... A lot of us throughout the world starve to death because of lack of food or die because of lack of water and on and on. And that's because we're living in a capitalistic society now and not the society that we knew as land-based cultures. So our understanding about what we are here what we bring here in our spiritual practices, the spirit of who we are, the spirit of the Lakota, and developing these land-based cultures, the land-based culture that exists as the Lakota here. We bring with us that knowledge and that understanding that holds together our medicine wheel. And I'm not just talking about the four elements or the four teachings and, and those things. It's, it's an understanding that there's something beyond us. 
Wakan. Or Wakan Tonka, the, gr the great mystery of not knowing all of what we know about our culture. But those are things that are part of what we have lost a little bit. And that's the spiritual language, which I wholeheartedly believe that we can bring that back because there are people that have that knowledge and that knowledge of the medicine wheel. So part of this and a huge piece of this podcast is teaching all of us, all of my relatives, Matakwe Oyasin, all of my relatives deserve to have a better way of life, a healthier way of life. And all of us need to recognize and need to understand different values in order to get there, but also at the same time understand what has happened to get us where we are right now. So I'm concentrating a lot of my time and effort through this podcast to educate as much as I can, bring in as much experience and knowledge of what I've gone through, and most important is bring in all other relatives that have as much and probably more in most cases knowledge and experience than that I do than I do so this is what the moccasin telegraph podcasts are going to be about so I look forward to talking to you again in the next episode in the meantime take care of yourselves and be safe palamie to learn more about this podcast and to support our work through financial donation or volunteer opportunities, please visit our website, themoccasintelegraph.com. There you will also find upcoming workshops and how to get involved to learn life skills and learn how to re-indigenize through immersion education. You will also find links to articles, research, and different podcasts to that delve a little more deeply into the subject that we talked about. You will also find contact information to book speaking engagements. And as always, Palamaye Matakoyape. Much appreciation to you, my relatives, for listening. Take care. <laughs>